Hello, and welcome to Recapping with Delora and Ashley. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Recapping Podcast. Also, rate, review, and subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast platform. We're on all the things. We want to hear your thoughts on the movies and shows we review. Leave us a comment on Apple Podcasts or our YouTube channel, and we will read them during the show. Or reach out to us on social media. We love talking all things entertainment and pop culture with you. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you. Ladies, how y'all feeling? <laughs> Brothers, y'all all right? Every time I hear that, it gets me going. But the fact that Erica Badu, Delora, made a special version of Call Tyrone called They Clone Tyrone. I'm assuming that's the name of this version was an extra special treat to wrap up our latest recap. They cloned Tyrone. Did you enjoy? Girl, it was in some ways escapism at its finest. Mm, Agreed. There was a lot to digest and process during the film and thereafter. But guys, hopefully you have gotten a chance to check it out. Because we're about to get into it for our recap today. It was released on Netflix mm-hmm. on July 21st, two-hour runtime. Quick summary, a series of eerie events thrust an unlikely trio onto the trail of a nefarious government conspiracy. Directed by Jewel Taylor, cast, I only have down our main trio, baby. John Boyega as Fontaine. <laughs> Tiana Parrish as Yo-Yo, and Jamie Foxx as Slick Charles. Reviews, Rotten Tomatoes, 94% critic score, 100% audience score, and 92% of Google users gave this film a thumbs up. Delora, what is your grade for They Cloned Tyrone? Ashley, this film was something. All right, so (laughs) the reason why I'm giving it the grade I'm going to give it is because it breaks my heart. Obviously, it's an over-exaggeration of a lot of things that people in the Black community discuss all the time when it comes to our nutrition and our diets, whether, you know, through food or through media, right? And that conversation of the man (laughs) right (laughs) but I just the the number of times they said nigga was a lot for me (laughs) really oh yeah because it was knocking on black exploitation you know what I mean playing up it it definitely had the cinematography of homage to those types of films for sure yes yes and at times it was a bit much for me but then at times I thought this was this is freaking hilarious Mm -hmm. I give the movie a b a b plus for its originality yes I can't give it an a just because again I'm like oh this has hurt my heart because some of the stuff feels a little like it's a lot (laughs) as a black (laughs) person watching this you know but what, what about you, Ashley? What's your grade? If this had been made by white people, I would probably 
uh, see it through a different lens, right? Because then course. it wouldn't be then it wouldn't be an in the house conversation in the True. same way, right? True. So for me, the way I see it is we're it's a commentary we are having amongst ourselves, ourselves, Ooh, yes. and it is such a fascinating conversation that I sat and thought about after this and even got to hear Jewel Taylor on a podcast talking about the film right so yes he did not he said he kind of gave the impression the work for, speaks for itself and he doesn't want to put his thoughts that he had going into it on anybody else who's watching but to your point I definitely got the sense that as black people it's it's it should serve not only as entertainment but also in evaluation a little bit yeah. like he talked about the difference between um kind of like blame and accountability to a certain extent mm-hmm. yes. and you can feel that push and pull a little bit throughout the yep. film experience how much of this are we doing to ourselves and how much of this is completely out of our control mm. and so because to your point it was such an original idea because i enjoyed these performances so much <laughs> yes. jamie fox and tiana Parrish together period that's it this scooby-doo gang worked for me <laughs> okay and so because of that it's an a i really i told you the first time i watched it it took me three times to get through it because i kept falling asleep because i was in california so i was still trying to get used to the time difference so on yeah. my second watch once i got to watch it all the way through I was like, oh, there was things my first watch I really didn't even catch. Like, I didn't catch, spoiler alert, guys, we'll go ahead and get into it. I didn't even catch some of the early references to Tupac and to Michael Jackson and them walking around this yes. this this neighborhood yes. and potentially still being alive. I was like, ah, that should have been kind of your first thought or clue into possibly what we were going to be getting ourselves into. But but I didn't in I didn't catch it in my the first ridiculousness time. of it all or? in terms of the ridiculousness and the overall like premise right of like okay. these yeah. people who are supposed to not be here anymore like him saying of course you didn't notice it was Michael Jackson because he's black again you know what I'm saying like, <laughs> because if you're gonna clone Michael Jackson I guess he gonna be black and not the the whiter version that we got in the future it was right. just interesting so that was fun to kind of catch in my overall in my overall watch but. As I said, guys, spoiler alert as we're getting into things. This movie really follows our three main characters that I talked about, which is Fontaine, who's a local drug dealer, Slick Charles, who's a pimp, and Yo-Yo, who is a quote-unquote retired prostitute. Oh, I thought you were going to go for a hoe, but okay. Mm -mm. I'm not going to call her. I almost, and you know, I thought about this when we did the recap previously about the White Lotus too. I was like, I feel like I'm not being politically correct. I'm supposed to be calling them sex workers now. For sex workers, yes. Yeah, like I don't want to be offensive. And I'm using the terminology. That Slick Charles used. I know you are. That's why I said like, I wasn't going to call her what Slick Charles called her. But then I was even thinking like that ran through my mind when we did the White Lotus. I was like, am I still supposed we even use the word prostitute Mm. somebody let me know if i need to just always say sex worker but Mm -hmm. for the sake of this movie they didn't take it that deep professions yeah they didn't take it that they didn't take it that seriously he said he sees you for what you are use a hoe so they ain't take it that deep in this movie (laughs) but she is retired she has other other things she wants to get into in her life right so this movie really gets going 
one Spontane get shot up. Because when we start the movie, it's kind of like we see him going through his routine. We see the block. We see not a lot of action. It's just kind of yes. like setting the stage for this world. So when we first get into the film, what were you thinking? Were you just trying to get a sense for the main character? Like, what was your thought? Because I was lost at, at the beginning. When I first saw this movie... I felt like it was very oppressive, like everything from how grain, not grainy, but like there wasn't much brightness to the world and, and it shouldn't, right. We're talking about the trap. We're talking about quote unquote, the hood. There are no sunny days. (laughs) Right. (laughs) There's no real happiness. The house looks like it's falling apart, but it's an AKA trap house. So you don't expect much from there. And it seems like he's living his day to day. I'm like, what's the point of being a drug dealer? If you're just going to be living in a crappy house with a semi running car, like what's, what's the goals? But again, I'm thinking way too heavy about this. But I was trying to figure out everyone's dynamic. So when I found out that, you know, Slick Rick owes Fontaine some money, I'm like, oh, okay. So this is an interesting dynamic. And then you find out that Yo-Yo works for Slick Rick. I was like, okay, so they're not friends. So what's going to really bring them together? So those were my initial thoughts. It's funny that you keep calling Slick Charles Slick Rick because it does go together. (laughs) (laughs) They should have named him Slick Rick. Because that uh, first of all, a, a black vernacular, right? Like this is part of our lexicon. I'm gonna have to train myself. Okay. Yes. Slick Charles. But absolutely trying to figure everything out to your point. When we're getting into Fontaine's routine, I'm like, he's a very unpleasant person, right? Like very. he seems like he has a bad attitude. Miserable. He's not happy. He his mama is talking to him behind a door. Where are his friends? Where's his family? He's just kind of maneuvering through to the best of his ability and did not seem to be living his best life. I also hate it when Fontaine talk is one, he always talks so low. His grills were so big. Like sometimes like when you try to hear somebody talk, you look at their mouth. I'm like, this ain't helping either. Like move your mouth, sir. <laughs> I'm like, but what is he when- talking about? But then when he gets into that altercation with the drug dealer who was like, I guess, on his corner in his territory, I was like, this does not seem like this is going to go well for you. Like, you can't just run people over, steal their money, and then everything's going to be fine. So once (laughs) he got shot up um, at that motel, I was like, oh, shit. Okay, well, you know, what does this mean? Still trying to get a feel for it. Still very dark and grainy, to your point. And then the plot really gets popping, right? Because we see the next scene, he wakes up in bed in full health and starts going through the same routine from the previous day. I said, what in the Truman Show is happening? Exactly. I was so lost and confused. I was like, so is this basically he's trapped in like a time warp? Does this mean that he is, I didn't know what to think. Once we got to the point where, you know, he's back and he's in regular health and neither did Slick Charles, right? He pops back up at Slick Charles door because to your point, Slick Charles had owed him money. So he had come over the night before and had, you know, taken what he needed from him. Slick Charles said, 
you must have sold your soul to the devil. Like that was his, that was his explanation for how he possibly could have popped up again exactly. after being shot like six times. Completely unaware too. Completely unaware. What did you think was happening? So the thing that I did going into this film was all I knew is Jamie Foxx, John, and Tiana. I'm like, they look in retro and futuristic all at the same time. And I'm here for it. I don't even care what this is about. I'm I'm going to be watching, right? So I knew there was some type of super, not supernatural, sci-fi element because the movie is called They Clone Tyrone, right? And so for me, I was like, okay, what does this mean? Like with him showing up with no bullet holes, we didn't see him being rushed to no hospital or if anybody actually witnessed it outside of the dude who shot him up, right? But then there with the you know Jules direction he made that routine he established that routine so well that like when he's going through the motions over and over again I'm like are we already dealing with a clone like that that was like that's what came to mind and then we when we saw that that stray clone just roaming down the street and then was picked up in that black truck I was like oh I think something's up. Yeah, something's a little amiss. Funny, even with the title of the film, I remember originally when I heard about the film, I thought that everybody was a clone. Like, I thought that Tiana Parrish and Jamie Foxx's characters were like the next step in the cloning of the same, of John Boyega's character. Like, that's literally what mm-hmm. I thought at first. So mm-hmm. again, I'm like, I, I I didn't just immediately think that he was just a clone. I was like, this whole world like isn't real to some extent. I think is where my mind was going. Mm. Like this whole world is like a performance or like not in real life, not set in reality or something, right. something. Mm. But you're right. Once it got to the point where you saw the bloody person walking down the street and that black SUV swerves and picks them up, it was like, oh shit some some government entity is 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 out here doing some weird stuff right so slick charles tries to convince fontaine like bro this is what really happened but let's get yo-yo because yo-yo can confirm like what i'm telling you so the three of them scooby-doo gang get together to try to track down who shot him and they end up at a trap house with a freaking elevator in it delora now this is where you have to suspend your disbelief right because as black folks as jamie fox says we this white people be spelunking we don't be spelunking we don't investigate things we don't get in elevators we run out the house would you have got on that goddamn elevator delora absolutely not who would have got on that nobody would have got on that elevator those actors were as (laughs) would you get on the elevator and they were unanimously said no no they would not it is it is not in our nature because you know (laughs) it's exhausting so why should we add to the i mean when i go into this house down the street without somebody questioning you why would i why would i volunteer for this (laughs) when i go into this house i see it's empty besides some weird little break room This is a trap house, empty besides a break room, coffee still warm. And all of a sudden an elevator opens. 
I'm minding my black business. Ain't no way. Ain't no well, way. That was interesting. We, are there any cameras so I can make sure my footprint literally was not seen here mm-hmm. so I can go mm-hmm. on to my life? <laughs> Everybody is slick Charles in that moment. He was like, Mm-mm, I'm not I'm not getting on this elevator. Obviously, we wouldn't have a movie if they didn't. So here we go. My question, once they take the elevator down to the laboratory that they find, is why the hell was Yo-Yo and Slick sniffing and playing with powders and liquids? First of all, I think that was part of the humor. Yo-Yo, we find out, is a curious woman who had great ambition, but to your point earlier, maybe due to her environment or lack of opportunities, she was unable to explore those inclinations but they were ridiculous ridiculous. (laughs) he took slick took a powder that started making him giggle uncontrollably um because the yo-yo's playing around he accidentally shoots and kills a white lab tech with an afro natural afro not even just a bob ross afro a real afro and fontaine sees his own dead body i think i would have passed out like i think i would have gone into like such a state of shock or something that i would have passed out it's unreal it's unreal zero stars don't recommend it the house was completely changed when fontaine busted back through with his crew looked like just a normal house that some people was living in with their children or something but what were they going to do ashley seriously he was looking to come bust some heads, but we only had the one lab tech, so I'm not sure who he was expecting to find back there. Right. I think Fontaine often acted without thinking. That is one thing that I felt about him throughout this film. Like, he just kind of yeah. acted more on instinct and impulse than to sit and reflect and think things through. Yeah, because the situation that got him shot in the first place, I looked at Dave, I was like, why would you get out the car to shoot? people who were ready to shoot you like yeah what i would have stayed in the car and tried to smash my way through instead of literally getting out the car to shoot why would i do that mm-hmm. where do you do that at <laughs> in the glen apparently so the scooby-doo gang decides to follow the recipe of nancy drew books to try and figure out what's happening I felt like her love of Nancy Drew was a bit endearing. (laughs) It was. She had full collection at her grandmama house. And again, she had the first Black woman in space on her wall. She had, like I said, she, she had dreams and aspirations. I just hate that she was, you know, having to fight over a $20 blowjob. Like nobody wants that no thank you it definitely goes to show that the oppression within that community continued to take down even those who had opportunity and you know bright futures that the environment that was created and cultivated within that community kept them all in a certain place and space Mm. that's super upsetting black women black people we can do everything so This is the point where we got to get into these various mechanisms and products that they're using against us. How dare they come for my fried chicken? I have with an exclamation point in my notes. Okay, 
It makes they sense. discover they d- <laughs> it does. They discover their area is being watched and black folks are being controlled through fried chicken, relaxers, great drink use for communion and church and music. I literally put, we did not stand a chance. Especially when they are covering all the bases from the strip clubs to the church. I'm like, you can't even walk a a straight path and not get get got. You know what I mean? And that's no matter what lifestyle you're living, whether you are someone who just enjoys some fried chicken, which most of us do. Uh, someone who is a professional, maybe you're getting your hair relaxed or you just like, re- you know, still having your yeah. hair relaxed, Creamy whether crack. you're a church going member of the community, yeah. whether you, I mean, music is going to permeate even some people who that's not even what you want to listen to. You could just turn the radio station exactly, and you hear one of it. So they were using all these tactics to control our minds in various ways, right? Like the chicken mm. had the powder in it that was making people like Laugh. more giggly and yeah. everything really was about keeping you though docile to a certain extent. That's what yes. I kept getting because in church, Dave Allen Greer, by the way, was phenomenal. He is perfection. He is literally one of my favorite comedic actors of all time. I mean, from day one in uh, within Lemon Color, and I've literally followed him through everything, literally. So the fact that he was saying, you got the bills that ain't getting paid, <laughs> you got this this and that that's happening to you, but we, you know, don't worry about any of that. And they start dancing and stuff like What's scary what is they dancing to back that ass up? I'm not sure what song was playing, but it wasn't churchy. It, it was wasn't not. churchy. No. But I will say that there was so much um, truth, though, in so many of the things. Because yes. to your point, a, a poor diet does impact you in a way that's going to be negative for your health, right? Yes. Having certain messages that you even receive from the church, like, oh, don't worry about anything. Give it all to the Lord. That's not always a good message either, because... You're going to take that to some people take it to mean that too seriously, you do not have any control over your own circumstances in Correct. order to pull yourself up to, to, to better your situations. Faith without works is dead. You actually got to yes. work towards something like yes. one of my favorite sayings is like, Lord, my favorite prayer is Lord bless my effort. That means you actually got to put something towards it, you know, for him Absolutely. to bless. He can't bless nothing. Absolutely. And then the music. Lord. That's How dare a whole other level. They didn't even do TV, which is also something that, you know, people talked about all the time, too. My other one was liquor. I am shocked. Yes. I thought yes. that my second watch. I was like, I'm shocked they didn't have yep. like Hennessy or Crown or something being well, another even, tactic. Even the lottery, that message that you internalize when you read, you lose, you lose, you lose yes. over and over, over again. That affects your mindset too. This is yes. quite deep, y'all. If you if you really take a closer look at it, a lot of successful people understand that mindset is literally everything. Mm-hmm. And I saw this interview with Mahersha Ali, who he said this, he said he, he learned this from his parents and he's like, never go to sleep w- listening to TV. Like, he's like, you do not know what your subconscious is picking up. Mm. Be- and I say that because 
hear me out, you guys. Whenever I need a mindset change, I, I, I revamp my affirmations and I listen to them and I listen to them before I go to sleep. And I listen to them when I wake up in the morning and I listen to them th- throughout the day because I'm trying to get it into my subconscious. So it becomes second nature. And once it's, once that seed has been planted, then all types of, um, you know, fruitful things can happen as a result. The same can happen for negative uh, absolutely as well. And so it's like, you have to be very diligent <laughs> in what you consume through your eyes, your ears, your nose and your mouth. I'm just joking about the nose. <laughs> <laughs> all the orifice, all the orifices. Well, hey, if we really want to get down to conspiracy theories, people have this thing about chemtrails, which is something that we um, could ingest and negatively impact with you know the hoods according to some people's theories i can't say i i have no proof to that but i've heard that conversation before i think what you said was so well said and i think that to the overall point of all of it right is this idea again of how much control do we ultimately have over our own lives over our environment like sure People could choose, could have chosen not to consume one or two of these things, but they had created it to such a degree that it permeated the community in one way or another. So you almost feel like how were any of them ever going to escape from the tactics that they were employing? Um, I think that there were still opportunities for them to shock us in other ways with some of the things that they could have been doing to black people in this film because when I think of projects like um get out that was terrifying in a different way like this is still for me terrifying to think that yes that people would be experimenting on us and doing things to us to manipulate us and all of that but I guess at least at this point, it was like, well, at least they're not taking our bodies. Like, because I had that to kind of go off of. I was like, but I've seen something just a little bit scarier. So at least they haven't taken my body completely in this movie. I think it's interesting that you talk about Get Out because I was thinking like, this is the evolution of, you know, the, the, the Black horror social commentary type of film, right? Like we're having you know, different conversations, but, you know, the horror is an exaggeration of things that could be true to an extent. I mean, let's not forget when it comes to the creamy crack, we have a class action lawsuit. Black women have class action lawsuit against the makers of um, relaxers and how it's impacted their health Oh yeah, getting cancer, their Mm -hmm. inability to have children because they have, you know, uterine cancer as a direct link. And it's like, what else have we been taking for granted? You know, because it's been a quote unquote staple of our community that's actually killing us. 
Right. And we we obviously now take this even beyond just what's affecting the black community, because it feels like everything with our environment is killing us in one way, shape or form, mm-hmm. particularly living in the U.S. We talk about food in general, all the different regulations yes. we have that allow oh. them to put anything and everything into our food. It's all about, you it's know, the, the dollars. regulations, right? Yeah. Like if you go over to Europe, they are very adamant about like the number of very vigilant mm-hmm. and um things that people ingest even chemicals is allowed to be um made over there like you, you there there there's a strict list so For sure even within the u.s going to california i noticed the difference in the quality of their food because of the difference in the governmental regulations they have about certain things than i experienced living in florida and elsewhere within the united states mm-hmm. and that's that's just an example, because again, to your point, when you go out of the country, like every time I've gone out of the country and I come back, everything here tastes like shit for a while because of that difference. Uh, <laughs> like tastes terrible to me. That and you you don't feel like shit either after you eat because yep. I can even tell drinking, you, even I drinking have had is different. Wine, butter, bread. Did I get bloated? Did I feel heavy? Did I feel gross after? No, I yep. did not. Yep. It's such a difference, but particularly, again, going back to just this commentary on things that are could be going on within the Black community, um, it was disturbing. I think the difference to me between seeing it in this film and seeing that depiction of the uh, takeover of Black folks and Get Out was it felt very personal and get out, right? Because you're being mm. deceived by someone you're in a relationship with and that's supposed to mm. love you, whereas this feels big government outside of my control type thing yeah the man so it feels a little bit less personal and more like oh okay that feels more like something that I'm going to experience in reality versus if I am in love with somebody and they take me today parents you know country house or whatever oh I'm taking a gun you know I'm taking all of y'all motherfuckers out with me if it comes down to the night uh-uh. <laughs> you ain't taking me nowhere that has a cornfield past 3 p.m like I just you know so that felt like super <laughs> that felt super personal so I think that's another distinction for me between these two projects but let's move forward in the the plot of the film so they make it over to the church based on advice from frog this homeless man who's been sitting outside of like the corner store and yet it's kind of like the wizard of oz right like he's right. the man behind he sees and knows everything that's going on he be knowing he be knowing he speaks in riddles he speaks in tongues that you have to decipher but he be knowing so they make it to the church and there's another elevator under the pool pit of the church delora crazy and then also the commentary about the church too is like you have this black church but then you know the images of jesus is a white White. man right yep and that that's a lot to be said there too um that's all i'll say for right now (laughs) (laughs) well this discovery leads to an even bigger lab so our trio they steal some suits and they take a little tour shocking and disturbing we see all types of experiments going on through music through mind control of different means we see a lady her eyes have been kind of like pushed wide open for her to watch all these different messages yeah it's a lot it's disgusting it's disturbing also 
we find a room full of clones because Fontaine wasn't leaving until he found what he was looking for, which is the source of this whole cloning situation. But not only do we find clones of Fontaine, we also find clones of Slick Charles, as mm. well as multiple other members of the Glee. The pastor. Mm. Delora, I started wondering how many times have they died and been replaced? Like, how long has this really been going on? I was guessing often for Fontaine, because again, he's a pretty unpleasant person. Yes. So three things, Ashley. One, they keep going on these elevators, finding these laboratories. You don't think they got cameras on these elevators? Two, I find it interesting that whenever Black people want to infiltrate or go quote unquote undercover, they literally have to be completely masked up because uh, one of the, one of Shonda Rhimes shows uh, was about like a cat and mouse thing. And, and the lady goes into these fancy parties with her dresses and everything like that. And it's like, well, her ability to do all that is her white privilege, right? <laughs> Like, I wish, a black person, yeah, I wish a black person would be able to walk in and into a, a place with a pretty dress and just not be questioned ever. You know what I mean? One last thing. The she is I hate that I'm not I'm not remembering her name, but she is the, the, the epitome of black girl magic. She is um, in charge of. CEO of a Fortune 500 company, and she's married to George Lucas. Uh, but she said that she went to some party. Oh, Melody Hobson. Thank you, Melody Hobson. She attended this party with another high-profile Black person, but somebody walked up to her and him and asked them if they were the help. You know what I mean? And it's like, do you not know who they are? Like, I mean, like, seriously. Melody Hobson is out there. Yes. And so I say all that to say, I just, I love how they had to be completely clothed to be able to infiltrate this, this hive of activity because, you know, that's what's necessary for Black people in these type of situations. Well, particularly at this point too, because all we've seen of the workers, quote unquote, are white folks. We don't know of any- Black folks, yeah, particularly white men. Great point. White men. We have not seen any black folks or necessarily any women who are a part of this operation. So totally makes sense. They would have to go incognito. Exactly. And my final point, the third point, where is and who is Tyrone? We're in the middle of this movie. Yep. Where I We've only been talking about Fontaine. So at this point, I was like, Tyrone was just a random known black name that they just threw into the title because it rhymed. That's what I was thinking at this point. They cloned Tyrone just sounds good. That's what I was thinking. They cloned Fontaine (laughs) didn't have the same ring, right? That's what I just assumed. That's what I assumed. We'll get back to that, though. So once they go through this lab and they uncover what they uncover, yet again, they like shit. What are we about to do, you know? So they go back up to the surface and they end up coming through a strip club. This time we see the white DJ, which I'd be suspicious going to the hood and there's a white DJ. Let me be honest with y'all. That was funny to me. That was funny. He uses 
the most severe mind control I feel like we've really seen in the movie so far when he basically sends the entire club after them, right? Just using music to subdue them and control them. Somebody said it was like thriller. Like we got the whole cast of thriller coming after it. I think it was Jamie Foxx's character. (laughs) Oh yeah, it did look like it. It definitely looked like it. So then we have Kiefer Sutherland's ass pop up in this movie with another Fontaine clone in tow named Chester trying to clean up this scene that has unfolded. I think everybody probably when you first saw Keeper Sutherland, you was like, oh, he's the big bad. And then he essentially tells us like, nah, I'm basically mall security. There's people who are higher than me who are really running this show, right? And he's Mm. claiming that his mission, their mission is to keep the United States united, Delora. Keep certain people there like Slick Charles and Fontaine to keep the area from being gentrified essentially so that they can continue to do their work and experiment on the black folks who live there. We also realize all the clones can be controlled with the words Olivia Black. This scene was one of the hardest to watch in the movie for me mm-hmm. because I think up until this point, it felt like, oh, maybe there's something they can really do. Like maybe they're really going to figure this out and they're going to be able to rectify whatever is going on. I felt hopeless. I felt as hopeless as they did once he controlled their actions. How did you feel? Same. I really didn't know the way out of this movie. I think that was another thing that I did appreciate about the originality of the story is it wasn't formulaic in a way that I could figure it out. I had no idea what was up, what was down. I did assume Kiefer Sullivan was the big bad because, I mean, one, he's a white man. Two, he's Kiefer, you know, well-known. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, you, you don't expect him to do any throwaway type of roles, you know. I didn't know which way it was up. And if they were all clones, what was the likelihood of them actually reaching to reaching anyone, from, you know, to the top? Yeah. And it's like, if y'all can be controlled just with some words, how the fuck? Like, how are y'all ever going to escape from any of this? Like that, again, I felt hopeless, but also... When he said the thing about we're doing all this to keep the United States united, I was like, so basically you're telling me that this has still been going on since slavery. So even though we escaped slavery physically, we've been enslaved mentally since then. Y'all mm-hmm. only do this to black people. Y'all don't do this to any other communities. Right. Horrifying. Right. Horrifying. Why? Why? Why uh, we have only ever been minding our black <laughs> motherfucking business from the age the the dawning age okay bruh y'all came over here bruh and put us bruh. on some boats bruh Mm-mm. entirely too much entirely too much yo-yo still wanted to fight but fontaine and slick had really given up there for a little bit but i feel like maybe it's easier for her not to feel as hopeless because she was the only one who was really human you know what i'm saying exactly because like at that point talk about um the existential crisis of like yes. what number am i yes does it really matter nothing when is real my memories no- aren't real i've yes. never really lived how old am i really 
Like exactly. Fontaine, we get the impression that the Fontaine that we get to know, which I love Van from Higher Learning called him John Wick Fontaine. <laughs> <laughs> he's the John Wick Fontaine. Um, we get the sense he's he's a, still fairly fresh in this world, right? He's probably only yes. been out here for maybe a week, if that. And to the point of, you know what's crazy is as many times as they must have died, how did they always do it in such a way that didn't cause that same level of like people f- seeing it and figuring it out? Right. You know, because this was a very public killing of him. But how yep. did he die other times that it was just kind of like, oh, well, Fontaine, you know, still walking around because multiple people exactly. thought he had died. You know, the right. people who shot him, slick, yo-yo. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Uh, when he popped up at that hair salon, they were like, how the fuck? At least be hospitalized. I mean, literally something. next day. Something. Something. And guys, I'm sorry I'm cussing a lot this episode. I've been trying to cut down on my cussing, but this First film all, is bringing it out. was <laughs> filthy when it came to language. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yo, I don't think I've said their movie that cussed this much since uh, <laughs> Uh, a Tarantino film like I really don't recall you know this could have definitely been a Tarantino collaboration but then again it would I would have had to evaluate it differently if a white man a white oh, yeah, person no. had been involved in this not all right this would be a very different conversation because what do you get out of this conversation like and uh, mm, no I'm good Mm-mm. I'm good the scene where Fontaine discovers his mother is just a voice box in the other room damn i knew it was the case from day one i did i knew something was amiss but i think in that that moment he was already feeling so down about everything it was like this is just the gut punch he is alone in this world right literally literally but yeah i was like 99 percent confident i'm like there's no person in there they got her saying the same thing over and over again. You'll never see her. Nope. Don't it made me it. wonder. It made me wonder, yo, is Yo-Yo's grandma real? We didn't see Yo-Yo's grandma. We did not. We did not. And then again, I was going to say, how do you know which um, people are clones or which ones aren't? But the leaders of each segment work the clones. So the pastor, the drug dealer, the pimp. And I... I thought, you know, that that was fascinating as well. Mm-hmm. The leaders of the community were controlled. But what's crazy about that, again, is how long could you get away with that without the elders who are still alive, who are not clones, noticing that those people have never aged? Never changed. Never changed. Getting into the nitty gritty, but definitely something that I thought about. Because even in a lot of our vampire things, you know, vampires don't age, so they got to move on after a while. Otherwise, the humans get suspicious. Oh, like, yeah. You've been they, looking like this is 1975. Exactly. exactly. I'm going to be like, oh, no, that's my distant cousin. My distant exactly. Cousin. <laughs> like, oh, I found a black and white photo you was in. And you was looking, who are you? You look the exact same. <laughs> so that was something I thought about for sure. But thank God for little Junebug with his little Capri Suns. As he came through and warmed my heart. I was like, well, if you ain't got nobody else, at least you got a little June bug over here talking about SpongeBob with his whole soul. In the grand finale, Delora, Slick Charles and Fontaine recruit the whole hood to bamboozle and break into the lab. 
Yo-Yo got herself captured trying to send information to like a, a major publication. Do you yeah. think she actually had a plan though when she got kidnapped? Or was it just a good thing, thankfully, she had on that wig and the Calvary came? Did she have a I plan? Think, I think there was a plan because I don't think she would have worn that wig otherwise. She's been At wearing that that's... wig the whole damn movie, though. I know, but I don't know. That, that's my theory. That was my that's my theory. It did seem like she had a confidence that made me think there was a plan. I just wish that they had said what it was she was thinking. Because I'm like, how'd you even know they were going to use a relaxer? They could have used any type of mind control tactic on you. Thank God it was the relaxer, right? Um, And, you know, we love Yo-Yo. I loved Yo-Yo. So I I wanted her to be safe. I I mean, the performances, they better be getting Oscar nominations. If Ryan Gosling can get one for Barbie, then... Yep, um, and you know he is. (laughs) And you know he is. You know he is. So go ahead, Jamie. Go ahead, Tiana. Mm, Yep. Especially Jamie. Can we talk about John Bodega's career for five seconds? Like, the diversity of his roles are quite impressive. Like, yeah, you are a king of an African country, and then you are a go-to drug dealer in the next. Bravo, sir. Bravo. I enjoy John Boyega a lot. He's yeah. great. And the biggest twist of all in this film, turns out the original, quote-unquote, Fontaine, is who we have to thank for being the lead geneticist of this operation. Due to the death of his brother, Ronnie, who we'd heard about throughout the film from Fontaine, decided that it's better to assimilate than to be annihilated, Delora. So essentially, mm-hmm. he was going to turn all Black folks white over the next few generations. He said, it's not enough to think the same. We have to be the same what did you think about this ultimate revelation of the deviousness of this plot it was doing a lot (laughs) it was especially when the goal is to completely assimilate i was like oh um that's a lot but i mean we kind of talked about this in um other conversations but i know in brazil there's a famous painting that talks about the the black grandmother and then you know the generation being with white people and the babies eventually being white like that is a goal because of the colorism being so awful Mm -hmm. in that country it's really sad when that's the intention right like to me that makes me absolutely uncomfortable and i do not agree with it at all (laughs) I found um, it utterly terrifying, Delora, because I love my melanin. I listen. love being black. You know, if someone were to ask me if you could come back, would you be a black woman again? I would be like, absolutely. Where, mm-hmm. Why? Why would I be anything else? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Do you know what it's like to be me? <laughs> mm-hmm. It's fantastic. Anyway, um, (laughs) (laughs) tell them, tell them, girl, tell them, tell them, like, despite all the bullshit, it is 1000% worth it coming back as a black woman. You know, this movie needed 
a why because that is what i was saying the entire time while i was watching it why control these people why and it's like well they're gonna do it so they're gonna do it anyway so we might as well assimilate it just made me sad that it just made me sad that one person's trauma was going to have this type of catastrophic impact on the world. Ooh. We've seen that with many Ooh. leaders in history. Yes. But obviously there are so many people behind the scenes who have had such large impacts that we just don't even realize and don't even know about. So that was another thing I took from this movie is like how many people behind the scenes based on their own trauma and their own mm. experiences are fucking it up for the rest of us. Mm. Preach. Same thing with the plot of that show I told y'all about on Hulu. That was one of my hidden gems previously. Class of 09. Alfred from Atlanta, because of some things he had went through, is the reason why AI became what it became in the FBI on that show. And it was like, we're all just human beings taking the things we've been through and using it. And some people use it for very evil, awful things. And so for it to be the the whole overarching plot of this movie to be in the hands of us, to be a black man doing this to us. Damn. Well, that's what they say all the time. If we're having the internal conversation out loud, it be our own. It be our own. I.E. Clarence Thomas. Oh my gosh. I don't, Clarence Thomas cannot truly be black he has to be wearing a mask he has to he it has to be some mission impossible shit and we're gonna see him rip that off someday and he gonna be wearing a kkk robe and be a white man underneath like ain't no way who hurt you who hurt you sir bruh bruh he he is either chester or og fontaine like he's one or the other he's either a puppet or he, to your point, has had something that's happened to him that has made him hate himself Ooh. and every black person in his path. Jesus. Anyway. Ooh, that was deep. Snaps. That's that. <laughs> the poetic justice of this film is in the fact that old Chester kills OG Fontaine. Because that Olympia Black, Fontaine yep. used it to get Chester to do his bidding and shoot that man and kill him. That was poetic justice. Killed by both of your clones, essentially. Crazy. Like, that's wild. So inevitably, the trio survives. You see all the people in the hood on the news. They've All the clones, they've set free. The trio decides they're going to head to Memphis because that's where Yo-Yo wanted to go. But also, they're going to continue to fight the good fight because as they know, the, things didn't just stop at the Glen. There's other things going on. So to that point, this whole movie, we've been t- wondering it. Who the hell is Tyrone? Finally, at the very end of the movie, we see another Fontaine-looking clone living in Los Angeles yeah. Seeing the news of the clones from the Glen. And the guy looks over and says, damn, that's you, Tyrone. Finally. Why did they leave it to the end to be introduced to Tyrone? Does this mean we're going to get a sequel? I hope so. And then I don't because I, I have no idea what direction they're going to go in unless, you know, it'll be some type of like mini riots or revolts 
yes. that eventually culminates to some bigger operation. On some Westworld shit, Delora, let the clones rise and kill the people <laughs> that have put them in this situation. I would absolutely subscribe to the watching that film. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Final question. Have Tupac and Michael Jackson been cloned? No. <laughs> I know aliens exist, but I don't believe in human clones. I don't. I think it's going to shock the hell out of you someday when there are clones that probably those folks in, in past before then, they took their sales, they did something, and they're going to recreate them. Whether it's going to be in our lifetime and we get to see them, oh, I'm deep in my sci-fi thoughts that, oh, yeah. They, they've done something with these, especially the superstars. And I, I think they've done all sorts of weird things. You think and that so? they're, yeah, they're holding their sails and holding, you know, some people are in a, like a cryo freeze and all sorts yes, of shit. Like, I right. think all that stuff is a demolition man. Y'all remember that movie? I think yeah. all that shit is real. Like, well, you know, when what was the name of the famous reporter, Larry King, when he died, it was almost unreal because he was so adamant about adamant about not wanting to die right and not um and like i think he said stuff about like being frozen or something before and i don't know man it's so if you see a little kid running around with them glasses on just know i do feel like i don't believe people come back but i do feel like there's something in our genetics that have like you know, similarities to people in the past. Like, have you seen Michaela Cole next to like some ancient Egypt, African statue pitch? It's like uncanny. It's uncanny. I told you Michaela Cole is like the epitome of black beauty to me. Like Michaela Cole's face is like art. It's it's quite stunning, actually. (laughs) It's like- Her face is like art. Yeah, she's wow. stunningly beautiful. Stunningly beautiful. But those cheekbones um, have been in ancient pictures. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, well, I mean, there's only, the, to the point of there's only so many ways to, you know, create a human. Like, there's only so many yeah, ways to create true. us. So there are a definitely face. a lot of similarities. But I really do, in my heart, Delora, think that all the weird shit is, is real. Except for like, you know, I don't think vampires exist. I don't think werewolves exist. It'd be exist. nice, though. No, to an extent, not if they glitter. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I don't need any of. I don't need any don't of need those things to be real. Yeah, and I don't need vampires. But what I will say is this: um, people said this online, and I wholeheartedly agree. They're like, we're so busy looking into space and wondering what's living out there. You need to be looking at what's in our waters because we have not touched the tip of what's in the depths of this world. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like the ocean terrifies me, I think more than space, honestly, mm. in terms of creatures that live in the dark. One more thing. Did you see that they found a 46,000 year old bacteria that came back? I saw them, they brought back a worm. <laughs> that I worm, saw yes, that. yes, yes, the worm. And yes. I'm just like, oh my goodness. Like, they on some they on some Jurassic Park stuff. That's why, like, I know I don't, I don't, I don't I'm not a Larry King person. I don't need to live a long time. Like when it's my time, I'll be ready. 
Especially if I can't have my family and friends. Like, no, thank you. And it's entirely too much. I'm exhausted at 35, bro. (laughs) Like, I'm not saying I want to go anytime soon, but I'm saying ain't no No, way I'm trying to live no multiple lifetimes. A healthy, long-lived life. Yes, I'm just saying, I'm good on some multiple lifetimes and extending past when I'm supposed to be here. Like, I'll be good. So, Delora, give me any final thoughts you have before we wrap up this recap of They Clone Tyrone. This was a wild ride. The performances were phenomenal. The writing, the directing, bravo to this young Black man, Joel Taylor. I look forward to seeing more of his work. Mm-hmm. This is the stuff that we are craving in terms of original thought, in terms Absolutely. of, um, you know, thinking outside the box and doing it well. Bravo. Agreed. And damn, I do not want to give up my fried chicken, but y'all got me thinking. So I guess good job. Good job. All right, Delora, let's move on to hidden gems for this week. What you got for the people? All right, Ashley, I have two hidden gems this week and we share one. So I figured we could talk about it together. Survival of the Thickest, Netflix. It is a new series starring Michelle Buteau. It came out in July. This is a delightful show, Ashley. I actually haven't laughed out loud the way I have on this show in a long time like it tickled me and I didn't finish it I still actually have two more episodes left Ashley but I thoroughly enjoyed it and I low-key am shipping Mavis and Khalil I'm just gonna throw that out there I'm not but (laughs) I definitely enjoyed the show I enjoyed the ride I thought it had such great humor I love like her aesthetic in the show overall I love the the fashion element of it um and you know I'm a fan of her comedy like I've watched some of her stand-ups and stuff like that and I just think she's just like really delightful she makes me smile she makes me happy so this project did that for me as well so I really really enjoyed uh the ride of of I think it was was it 10 episodes I thought it was eight it may have been eight. It may have been eight. So many things are 10 that I just always default to 10. <laughs> yep. Eight episodes. And I don't know if you noticed, but Luca is old dude from Michaela Cole's project. I may destroy you. I may destroy you. I did not even pay attention that he was a, I mean, that show was such an emotional ride. And you literally only watch it once, but it just was like, gut-wrenching right like a lot to unpack a lot and it's kind of funny because in some ways I feel like he was kind of like her character in that show kind of like popping up (laughs) like go home no just playing I actually like their interaction with one another all right, and my second hand gem is a song. It is by the lovely Tori Kelly from her EP, Tori. The song is called Unbelievable, featuring Ari Star. It is, you know, I love an Afrobeat moment. It is mm-hmm. a vibe, and the song 
has been on repeat since I've heard it. Um, the rest of the EP is nice, but the uh, track number four is a standout for me. Yeah, agreed. All right. All right, Ashley, what do you have for your hidden gems this week? All right, I have two additionally from Survival of the Thickest. The first one is Happiness for Beginners on Netflix. This film starring Ellie Kemper is probably the most straight-laced role I've ever seen her play as a woman going on a post-divorce wilderness survival course. You were able to watch her? I was able to watch her. I've seen a lot of her projects, actually, but it's so weird to see her play just a regular person. And I watched it twice. Like, I really liked it. Does you not know, inspire me to go hiking through the wilderness, though. But no, no. no. Wait, her controversy, you're okay with that. I actually forgot about that until you just said it. Um, and I didn't <laughs> think about it while I was watching this. Okay. So I guess it doesn't stick with me. But I think what I the tone and what I got from the film that I enjoyed was this message of like, it's always a, a good time to like try new things and have adventures. And really that's what life is all about is like to push yourself yes. forward. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like she's kind of in a place of feeling a little stuck and, you know, trying to move on with her life and all this and that. And so sometimes you just need to propel yourself forward. And that's mm-hmm. really what I enjoyed about this. And it had some, a lot of heart too, because it had like a nice ensemble cast nice. of people who were a part of like the wilderness course and stuff like that. So, so I, still enjoyed it for sure and then my second hidden gem the crowded room and apple tv plus i was hesitant to start this series because i knew it was going to be such tough subject matter yeah but tom holland i finished it now all 10 episodes are out on apple tv plus yeah tom holland really showed his skills in this well. series he did really really well and i cried by the end like oh, i was wow. so invested this series made me cry and i just thought it was really 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 well done so definitely encourage everybody to check it out the crowded room on apple tv plus happiness for beginners on netflix and again survival of the thickest on netflix and that is it that is all guys we appreciate you sticking with us for this recap of they cloned ty wrong this just came to me ashley when they went underground it reminded me of the shape of water do you remember that movie i never watched it oh man i've never it was watched another it. movie about like you know government experiments happening underground yeah that movie was crazy but it just came to me but love you ashley great episode thank you so much for joining us for this recap guys we appreciate it as always um share this episode let us know your thoughts about they clone tyrone and we will be back with more and headlines and hot topics until then be blessed bye